Frontier. I try to picture clusters of information as they move through the computer. What did they look like? Ships? Motorcycles? Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then one day, we picked Tron Legacy Man. And we are your hosts, John Otney, Colin Westman, and Sean Lemmy. This is The Pick, the movie podcast for every episode. We pick a movie, we talk about it. At the end of the episode, someone else picks our next movie, low concept, high fun. Today we picked Tron Legacy. I kind of did a little line there at the beginning. That's the opening little bit, uh, Jeff Bridges' narration. I don't know if you guys recognize that. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. Except he's talking about the grid. But you know what's more interesting to me about this? Exchange. This is him talking to his seven-year-old son. Um, at the end of his, like, he goes, one day, dot, dot, dot. And the, his son says, you got in? And he says, that's right, man. I got in. And then I did a control F for how many times Jeff Bridges says man in the movie. <laughs> Six times. That's right, man. And then it was bio-digital jazz, man. You're messing with my zen thing, man. I don't know if I'm going to. Okay, now I'm not going to clue that one. I mean, but just to, like a bunch. Yeah, to Radical, be fair, man. it felt like it was more. Also, how did you control F the entire movie? Did you get a <laughs> copy of the script? No, I just mean the, the quotes page. Oh, well, they probably IMDb. don't have all of the names. Do you think there's still some out there yeah. that they didn't get? They probably just have even the best Clue mans. gets to say. Even Clue gets to say, end of line, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me think. How many times does Jeff Bridges just say man in any movie? I mean, definitely Big Lebowski. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, but, like, was it before that? Or from there on out, he just kind of, like, became this hippie. And he just says man all the time. I think he's always been like that. I feel like he probably it's, says man a couple times in the first Tron. Not, like, a lot. Maybe, like, once or twice. You know, I guess it depends on the role. If he's playing like a chill dude, probably. He probably didn't say it a lot in Iron Man, <laughs> except for if he ever said Iron Man. Do you think he yeah. ever said Iron Man, man? I don't think he did in the movie. I'm sure he said it on set a lot. I would love to have a conversation with Jeff Bridges. I'm just wondering if Jeff Bridges has not had a beard since The Big Lebowski. Or in a has movie? he always had a beard since then? Uh, it's really hard to imagine some... some uh, Since Big Lebowski? Since Big Lebowski. If we're, if we're saying Didn't that is the Didn't he do a movie a in like 2000 that was super serious where... Oh, what the fuck is that called? I, 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 can think, I can kind of picture the poster to one. I'm going to figure that out real quick and then I'm going to get us on track. Uh, the, the Contender. He doesn't have a beard in The Contender, right? That's 2000. But I, but I see what you're saying. Like He's just dialed into beard mode. Yeah. That's just who he is these days. Because as a young man, he had a beard in like King Kong maybe. But aside from that, I can't think of He did not have a beard in The Contender. Because he had to play uh, like a president or a guy running for president. That's right. And presidents haven't had beards or facial hair since William Howard Taft. <laughs> really? Goes back to... Okay, wow. 
Somebody's got to. Maybe that's what someone needs to push them over the edge. <laughs> they need that rent's too damn high guy with his big beard and black gloves. Uh, I think you mean Ted Cruz and his monster beard. Oh, gross. I don't want to think about Ted Cruz jerking off in the White House with his gross beard. Getting stuck Only on 9 11, though. Only <laughs> Yeah, always remember. Okay, but Speaking yeah. of Ted Cruz, we have to do little picks. Little picks. <laughs> Hilarious, hilarious stuff. Uh, yes, uh, before we talk about Tron Legacy, uh, which we're talking about, of course, because our last episode was Tron, so we're going to continue that. Uh, we do little picks where we talk about uh, just things we've seen recently or read or whatever, and then we recommend them. And as the host this week, I'll go first. I watched yesterday, you guys. <laughs> that movie, If the Beatles Never Happened. Yeah. yeah. And for the first half hour, I had to ask myself, is this going to be one of my favorite movies of the year? Because for the first half hour, I was loving it. It's a great concept. And usually it's crazy because usually I hate Richard Curtis. I hate him to death. I hate him so much. Uh, but I was really enjoying this. Um, I don't know if that's Danny Boyle's influence. Uh, it's definitely pretty visually dynamic, so he, he uh, definitely did his part. But it's just super, super charming. It's so funny, this, this musician... Um, I can't remember. I've already forgotten the, uh, the, the character's name. Uh, the actor's name. The character's name Jack Malik. Uh, he's a newcomer. I think he's in um, Tenet, that new Christopher Nolan movie, too. Ooh. So hopefully we'll be hearing more about him. But he's really good. He's like the struggling musician, you know, plays on street corners. His stuff sucks. Nobody likes it. Uh, then this big blackout all over the world. And he's the only person that can remember the songs. And it's just, it's funny because you think, oh, I'll just start playing them and then people will love me automatically. It doesn't quite work that way. He's got to really still work at it. Like eventually like some recording guy like finds him and he ends up on local TV and then Ed Sheeran, I guess, discovers him. Oh, so Ed Sheeran's a big part of this movie? Ed Sheeran is like probably the third most important character in the movie. Wow. He has to act a lot and he does okay. He's fine. My favorite part is him and Ed Sheeran do a song off where it's like, uh, we each have 10 minutes to write a song and see which one's better. And Ed Sheeran writes some stupid bullshit. Uh, but then the other guy writes writes The Long and Winding Road. And just the room is like silenced because of how great it is. Uh, is the Ed Sheeran song supposed to be some bullshit? Or are you supposed to be like, well, it's a pretty good song by Ed? I think you're supposed to be. It's a pretty good song. But I don't like Ed Sheeran, so there you go. But there's like a lot of funny scenes like that early on where like uh, he tries to show his parents Let It Be. And they're like, oh, this is kind of nice. And he's like, no, this is an amazing song. This is an amazing song. But they don't get it. Some people get it. Some don't. And it's just fun. And there's other stuff. This this isn't in the trailers. There's other stuff that doesn't exist anymore too. But it's, it's totally random. Actually, I feel like they didn't do enough with this. Like Coca-Cola doesn't exist. Hmm. Cigarettes don't exist. And Harry Potter doesn't exist. So. <laughs> do harder drugs exist? It isn't explored. It's not really that kind of movie. Talk about cocaine in the music industry. How they, realistic is this story? I never said it was realistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the second half is kind of where it kind of lost me a little bit because then it's just like, oh, I don't want to be famous. It's all about the music, I guess. Uh, it's just, you know, the, oh, the price of fame kind of movie. And I was totally bored by that. And the romance in it, the romantic angle, was boring. Uh, the ending was, eh. You know, it was okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much for those who were... St- I mean, it's on Redbox right now. You can go enjoy it. It's on Redbox. It's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a movie... I don't, like, it kind of sounds fun to watch. 
but also knowing that it's been in the house and already made its way out it makes me think oh i guess i've just missed my window so what if it's, it's on like amazon prime oh, but there's so much stuff on amazon prime <laughs> you think i you're can watch actual movies that matter on amazon prime well it is danny boyle so if you ever want to do like a i, I got a complete watch all danny boyle's movies maybe that movie I just like I just like the Beatles. Uh, I had to see podcast. it as a Beatles fan eventually, and I I did have a good time. Yeah, Beatles are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. <laughs> Beatles are pretty good. That's Sean's blurb on the poster. <laughs> if he uh, was a critic for yesterday, <laughs> I would be pretty sad if all the Beatles never existed. Oh, and you guys remember that part in the yesterday trailer where he's on James Corden? He's like. There's two people who'd like to talk to you. Like, they say, like, you're lying or something. Do you guys remember that? No. Oh, well, it's in the trailer and it's a dream, so it's a total letdown. Uh, he does meet other people who uh, do remember. Um, if you guys... I feel like I once spoiled the whole... We all once spoiled the ending together reading it on Wikipedia, so I don't feel the need to do it again. It's not like a big twist or anything. I don't think. Yeah, it's disappointing. and a weird thing about richard curtis and i feel i have a feeling he'll come up again on this podcast someday i'm hating (laughs) uh i guess this and about time are the only ones i can think of that have like a fantasy element but i hate how he what he does is like you go into this weird fantasy and then it doesn't end it continues on like that's just life now Uh there's not that moment where you go snap back to reality like in groundhog day or something (laughs) i don't like that or an eight mile yeah, he's he stabs back to reality. That's I guess that's probably where I got those those that combination of words. God, I love the part in Eight Mile when he stabs back to reality. <laughs> so good. What else is good, Colin? Tell me about it. Um. Okay, so uh, I'll recommend another British film, a different type, I would say. Uh, it's a movie that came out earlier this year. I just caught up with it on Amazon Prime. It's called The Souvenir. Um, it's from a director uh, named Joanna Hogg, who I wasn't really familiar with at all. Um, but just after seeing this movie, I kind of just assumed it's a fairly autobiographical film since it's uh, placed in the early 80s and it's about a aspiring young film student who um, develops a relationship with an older man and he seems sort of charismatic at first and then he appears to have a bunch of secrets um, the biggest one being that he's uh, a heroin addict Batman. <laughs> close I mean Batman is in a way addicted to being Batman which I assume is yeah. as much of a thrill as heroin it's a deadly addiction yeah dangerous game yeah um anyways it, it has kind of a mix of like, like a coming of age story but also sort of tragic in a way but also kind of I don't know poetic and open hearted and just about finding yourself in the world um it kind of follows a trend i've noticed in a few other sort of recent movies where it's a period piece but it's shot on 16 millimeter film so it like feels a little 
you know, I don't know, lived in or, or, or tangible, I guess. I don't know. The other movies that come to mind are like Carol or Jackie, um, where you don't Texas get... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. 60 millimeter. <laughs> but it's not, not a period piece, but maybe it is. But it feels lived in. It does. Well, you, well, you know what that made me think of is uh, the movie Ad Astra. They do a few flashback scenes to like... Uh, like a very young Brad Pitt, like a child Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. like boy, like Tree of Tree of Life. So uh, from twenty ten, twenty eleven. But uh, I think just because the visual language of right now is like film grain equals old, yeah. They they make it look all film grainy, even though the Brad Pitt character is probably like what not even born yet in our timeline like he would definitely have grown up in a digital age <laughs> yeah but they still have him like running around in a park in like 60s clothes because that's just that's just what it, it looks weird. like back then yeah, i guess <laughs> when you're a kid it doesn't matter when you're a kid that's just what it looks like that's true also i just found out today that they're making a sequel to this movie which is very strange <laughs> It's Ooh. not a movie I would have expected to have a sequel, but A24 is doing Do you, it. Would you be interested in seeing that sequel? I think I would. I don't know if I would see it in theaters, but I'd, I'd see it eventually if it got good reviews. So, right. Hopefully it'll be available in Redbox or on Amazon Prime Video. Another film I wouldn't expect to have a sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's a bad one. Um, if we're finishing our uh, Disney Plus triptych with this episode, which it's not guaranteed we're not, <laughs> we might have more. Are you gonna watch that stupid basketball movie you're talking about? <laughs> Half Court Miracle, what is it called? We're not gonna worry about that great film. I mean, Hanukkah's that, uh, coming up. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about, even though it's 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 into it's a couple weeks old at this point. Uh, the main reason a lot of people have signed up for Disney Plus, and that's The Mandalorian, the uh, first live-action original Star Wars TV show. Obviously, there's been a few other shows like Clone Wars and Rebels. The holiday special, live-action. Yeah, but not a show. It's just a special. It was one episode. It's a special. It's a special episode. It's a special episode of a... Are you saying they would have gone to series if it was done better? Yeah, well, it was the thing that, like, so many people tuned in, but after, like, ten minutes, like, they lost, like, over half its viewership. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... That's a shame. Um, so, if you haven't seen the show, just skip this and go watch it, because there's a great twist to the concept. Um, that I, I guess it's a spoiler to reveal it, but really, it's it happens in the first episode. Um, but just to set it up, you you follow a unnamed Mandalorian bounty hunter, so like a Boba Fett looking guy, but it's after Return of the Jedi, after the Empire has been taken out, um, and the first bounty you see him take in goes well, uh, but then he takes on a second bounty that's very mysterious. It comes from Werner Herzog, who's his Imperial officer, who's... He can't. I mean, it's Werner Herzog. He can't be up to something good. Um, 
and he sends the Mandalorian to this dangerous planet where he teams up with a Taika Waititi robot, and they finally get to the thing that the Mandalorian has been sent to uh, bring back to Werner Herzog, and it is a baby Yoda. It's the greatest character it's in all. Uh, baby Yoda, you guys, so cute. Like I haven't wanted to buy Star Wars merch in forever. I want it now. I want action figures, plushes, shirts. I want it. And like I, I'd be willing to get some of the other characters too, just because they're close to Baby Yoda. They're adjacent to Baby Yoda. <laughs> he needs his friends. Though honestly, though, even if there wasn't Baby Yoda, I would have to get a Werner Herzog action figure. Yeah, I think that true. we might be getting a Star Wars Werner Herzog action figure. <laughs> Is the greatest thing ever. And you can look up interviews with Werner Herzog where he talks about Baby Yoda being heartbreaking. Making him cry and talking how magical the show is. Yeah. <laughs> I love the show. I think it's great. I love that Star Wars is down to like a bare bones plot where we can just breathe and just kind of take in all the sights and sounds of Star Wars and enjoy a very simple story that we care about. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's just a fun show. I like the short length too. I know some people don't like that, but I love it. It's just one plot. One character doesn't say much, and it's baby sidekick on an adventure. It feels very, like, you know, they say it's inspired by Westerns. It definitely feels like an old Western. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one in particular, but it seems like there's ones where there's just, like, wandering guys with their wandering companion. I haven't seen El Topo <laughs> with Jodorowsky wandering around with his nude son, but maybe it's similar. I mean, wasn't that what like Rawhide was like? It was just a, a group of people wandering through the, the the West. I guess I mean specifically the pairing of um, an adult and a child going on uh, yeah, an yeah. adventure. And like I, I keep saying, like while well, we watch it, Lone Wolf and Cub, but I've never actually read the manga or watched the sh- original show or anything, so I don't actually know if it's that similar to that in any way. Uh, um, I'm guessing the baby doesn't have sweet force powers in Lone Wolf and Cub, but he might be good at something. I um, I think it's funny that the Star Wars fan base seems like totally on board with this. Yeah. Um, just because they don't seem totally on board with anything anymore. It seems like a very divided community. And uh, I think it's because it's got a good balance of like prequel sort of elements tied in with a very uh, original trilogy feel i think what really works for it is it's more detached from what we're familiar with Mm. whereas i i think the more recent movies people hate them because they're so closely tied to the things that people already know a lot about like the skywalker lineage or the force and just all this thing these things that people have been studying and thinking about for years and I'm sure there's some people out there complaining about, oh, Mandalorians aren't actually like this. There probably is some of that. Yeah. But for the most part, like, it's not coming up with a whole bunch of new mythology. You know, it's just telling a story that happens to be set in a Star Wars setting. And they can hand wave all that Mandalorian stuff by saying this is like a special group that has survived the Clone Wars and the Rebellion. And so they have different uh, beliefs and customs. Like, b- boom, you're done. You don't have to deal with it anymore. Also, I love that the show is basically a video game. It's yeah, he's just leveling. He up. has armor upgrades all the time <laughs> and a weapon upgrade in the last episode. Mm. I didn't think about it. Colin, are you caught up? Yeah, I've actually watched every episode, which I know nice. is a lot because <laughs> three episodes at this point. So we're up to a grand total of one show that all three of us are watching. <clears throat> yeah, well, it is it is Star Wars. 
something. I was not expecting to like it this much, though. It's it's a great, it's a very pleasant surprise. Baby Yoda is the greatest thing in history. <laughs> I can't go a day without thinking about Baby Yoda and doing a quick search on my phone for Baby Yoda merch. There's rumors, and I guess by the time this podcast comes out, we might know more. I think Black Friday. There's 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 rumors that they'll announce something, but just rumors. I'm ready. Also, think it's funny that so many people complain that Ray is good at using the Force, like instinctively, and nobody's complaining that Baby Yoda could just lift up a giant monster and throw it on its back. Yeah, but he's a Yoda. I, I, I think that's the thing. I actually think that's the answer. Is Yoda? Yoda's name? But here, no, 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 no. no. But he's a Yoda. He's not a girl. Here's the thing. Yoda's species is so mysterious we don't even know what it's called. Yoda, they don't even have a name for the species. So we will not question the Yoda people because we know so little about Yoda. Yeah. You just gotta shut up and take it. Yeah. We know about like dumbass people. I was like, oh, you gotta learn it when you're young and maybe something about many coins. I can't remember if we're still doing that. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. We've seen that. We don't know about... Yaddle never uttered a word. Okay. So it's a mystery. Yoda's species is a mystery. What if Yaddle had had like a very deep voice? Okay, what if? Wouldn't that have been funny? <laughs> no, <does laughs> she, that's where you're going with that? Just, don't you think that's a funny idea? Yes, it's a funny idea. I just thought you had a point that you were making. Like, what you if did she, really, she could have. We just assume she talks like, like Yoda does. I, I imagine that she talks like Miss Piggy. That's just me. <laughs> I mean, that's just Yoda. Yeah, that's just yeah, but more, maybe more of like. Miss hmm. Piggy's more violent. Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> Bad frog. You know, funny stuff. I could talk about Star Wars shit all day, but we gotta talk about Tron. <laughs> Tron legacy. Yeah, our terrible legacy. <laughs> I was paged last night. Came from your dad's office at the arcade. So? So? The number's been disconnected for 20 years. Two nights before he disappeared, he came to my house. He said he was about to change everything. Science, medicine, religion. He wouldn't have left that, Sam. He wouldn't have left you. Alan, you're acting like I'm going to find him sitting there working. Just, hey, kiddo, lost track of time. That'd be something. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm not super excited to talk about Sean Legacy. I didn't like it very much, and it's funny because I was so ready to like this more than the other Tron. And I will, of course, get in, into it more. I think when we talk about the specific details of the film and go through the, the, the story and everything. But I just wanted to get that out there. That I didn't like this movie. I was very bored. Uh, th- aside from the fight scenes, I don't think there's anything I liked in this movie. There's I, things I accepted, but I didn't care for. I think you're maybe not giving enough credit to the aesthetic and the visual achievement that is this so, movie. Maybe. So here's the thing. Uh, so we watched the original Tron, and I think what I really love about that Tron now in retrospect 
is the fact that they made it with the technology they had. You know, the rotoscoping, painting, you know, matte paintings, all mm-hmm. sorts of creative stuff. I think the fact that it's imperfect gives it a charm. Uh-huh. But this movie feels to me so sterile, so pristine, so empty. And there's just so many movies these days that are just full of stuff like this, full of just full-on CGI environments. It's hard to be wooed by. Maybe had I seen it, you know, nine years ago, I would have been, a little, I'd be a little more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Watching it now, I don't think it stands out very much. There is one thing about that, and I think to the movie's credit, they did take one huge technological risk, and it did not pay <laughs> off at all. Yeah, but maybe nine years ago, having young Jeff Bridges as a major character in the movie would have been a lot more exciting than having watched all these Marvel movies that have done digital de-aging so well. Yeah. But I appreciate the risk. That is like the one aspect of this is really following in that tradition of Tron of like, we're going to do something that not a lot of people have done before and commit to it as a cornerstone of our film. (laughs) It just goes really, 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 really badly in a way that all the the jankiness of the first movie didn't, at least for us. I also admire the risk, but the thing is, the risk doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, there aren't any other risks in the movie. Everything mm-hmm, else mm-hmm. is playing off of everything we already know about the world of Tron. Exactly, yeah. So, we'll, let's, we'll get into that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the story. I think this film does an okay job of setting it up so you don't need to see the previous Tron, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. So... I think yeah, it begins with that that a uh, little monologue that I was yeah. doing at the beginning, and, and of the you can tell that things are like getting pretty crazy because it starts out with like light cycles going, mm-hmm. but then you see them moving up and down as well. It's three D now, yeah. And this movie was, of course, released on the 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 wave of the success of Avatar, so it was a movie that was meant to be seen in theaters in three D. Absolutely, winner winner of twenty ten, and. So the, our first scene after this narration is uh, it's, it's, the film starts in 1989. We have uh, Jeff Bridges reprising his character of uh, Kevin Flynn, the CEO of Encom, uh, talking to his son about Tron. And I was a little thrown off at the beginning because it seems like the events of Tron, he, he, it seems like he, def- he definitely turned them into a video game, which was, he was a video game designer. Cool, but like he's also got like the poster for the original movie of Tron in the child's bedroom. <laughs> is this a poster for a movie they made of that, or is this a poster for the game? I'm assuming it's it's just Tron merch because we say there's action figures. Yeah, he has too. action figures too, and he uses the action figures to illustrate his story, which I guess I like, but I just would have liked a little more explanation of what that was because he he explains the the world he created. Is the world he created? Is that the grid? Do we find? Does that finally have a name? I think it is, right? Yeah, it is. The, the grid is the world the they created because it didn't have a name in the first it, yeah. movie. And, and that retelling is interesting because the actual events of Tron are a very small part of that retelling, and the rest of it is him talking about him, like going back in and creating the grid with Tron and Clue, and and the commitment to somehow using his experiences in cyberspace to make the world a better place which are never really expanded on yeah and it's just funny because that is like the i think silicon valley has made jokes about how like every single tech company is just like i just want to make the world a better place you know that's like (laughs) the go-to bullshit line of we're just an evil company that wants to make a shitload (laughs) of money and we're gonna have an abstract goal like that 
It's because uh, they know nobody cares about that. The one thing that I thought about watching the intro also is in the first draw, we, we weren't sure if the movie took place in a futuristic world. I think we assumed it did take place in the future, but apparently it yeah. does take place in 1982. Uh, and I don't know if it's supposed to be like an alternate universe where technology is slightly better like even when we see the uh like ceo's uh conference room like they're using kind of futuristic like weird touch desk things that seem yeah more advanced but that's, than 2010 that's, but that's also a callback because dillinger had the touch desk yeah. in the first one um because this movie loves being familiar with the first Tron. Sure. Um, and I think, yeah, it's it's like, it's modern, but also alternate. Uh, I think, John, didn't you say that the police car said, like, Central City or something like that? It said, the police station is Central City, yeah. They never even tell you where this is supposed to be. It's Central City, some, yeah. some fictional California town. Which lines up with our vision of the city, where it's just one giant skyscraper that says NCOM on it, and then everything else is flat. <laughs> So in this opening bit, uh, Kevin explains to his son, Sam, that uh, in the grid he created Clue, uh, in his own image, mm-hmm. to create the perfect system. Yeah, so that's it, they just reused the name of Clue from the first movie. I mean, this movie takes advantage of, uh, of callbacks frequently, so yeah. I think they'll take anything from the pre-existing anything. movie. For the, for the fans, for the real fans. Because yeah, as, as far as I can tell, it has no actual connection to the clue that was dissolved, derezzed by uh, Master Control in the first one. I mean, we don't really know how deep that friendship went. <laughs> Maybe see, Clue, clue was more than just his hacking program. He, he was, was his friend. He was his best program. His I best remember program. saying that. Yeah. So, yeah, Clue to create the perfect system and Tron to protect the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, then... Kevin, uh, we find out through a TV, TV footage, it disappears mysteriously, mm-hmm. sending the company into disarray. Uh, I think we should just, I, well, no, it becomes clear later that it's a total Batman situation where uh, the kid is technically able to run the, co- the company because his dad died, <laughs> but he's more interested in fighting crime. Yeah, uh, so 20 years later, we, we catch up with Sam. Uh, now an adult uh, who's really cool and rides a motorcycle and is basically teenage Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's played by Garrett Hedlund. How do we feel about Garrett Hedlund, you guys? Snore. I don't. This was his breakout role. I don't feel about Garrett Hedlund. As far as I'm concerned, it was his breakout role. Uh, he, he had been in some stuff before, like Four Brothers. Yeah. And, uh, he just Night seemed Lights. like a young, possible leading man that never panned out. I guess like Taylor Kitsch, sort of. In the early 2010s, it's hilarious you say that because uh, he played the uh, the Taylor Kish character <laughs> in the Friday Night Lights movie. <laughs> <laughs> so both do both played the same character in different things uh, in a movie and a TV show. Both uh, never it really never really worked out for them. That's kind of sad and, and kind of funny. Uh, yeah, he's boring. He's snore uh, is and his. I don't know if it's just his haircut, but I feel like I'm watching an actor who was popular in like 2001. He looks like Chad Michael Murray or <laughs> Yvonne Sawar. It, it just it was just weird. He felt out of place. That's yeah. not the 
the cool rebel I imagine in the 2010s being the star like, of a movie. He's barely a rebel. It's boring. So he is, he is a little bit of a rebel, though, because he, uh, uh, after eluding the cops for reckless motorcycle riding, he heads over to the NCOM building where they're getting ready to launch a new uh, operating system. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess, throws a virus in. All something. the callbacks, remember? He opens the big door, and he's like, wow, that's a big door. He, I, don't, I didn't he, remember he, that. He sneaks in up the staircase. There's one security guard who he very easily evades, just like the first movie. We saw these movies like a week apart, and this, none of this like is that familiar. <laughs> we even like recorded us talking about it, and I can't remember these details. So yeah, true fans appreciate this. But yeah, there's there's a there's a room uh, a, a boardroom, and the guys are embarrassed because they're they're trying to present their their new operating system, and then like a gif of Sam's dog shows up mm-hmm. and makes them look like fools, I guess. And uh, one of the board members, who I guess was the main designer of this operating system, is Dillinger's son, mm-hmm. and he's Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre because Killian Murphy is a name, but uh, he's in there he's not for the rest like of the movie. a second. <laughs> Yeah, it's like one line, and it must have been uh, a setup for a sequel. There's there's several things in this movie mm-hmm. that seem like they are mm-hmm. setting up another Tron movie. It's it's crazy they had that much confidence. It's like, oh yeah, it's been like twenty something years, but this is gonna people are gonna really <laughs> like it this time. And the first one didn't do very good. I guess we didn't really talk about the uh, the production cycle of this. I was reading into it. It really wasn't as as interesting as I thought it would be because. Where we left off with Tron, the original creator of Tron, Steven Lisberger, mm-hmm. spent years trying to get another Tron made. It was his dream to do another Tron. Hmm. No one ever cared. And then just at some point in time, Disney was like, what properties do we have? Oh, I guess Tron is kind of popular, like a cult following. Let's do Tron. And I think – I can't find any proof of this. I think they were trying to um, replicate the success of uh, – of pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, because you know, for the long time, for a long time, especially in the '90s, Disney was the family animation studio, and then you know, out of nowhere, they have this big adventure hit with Pirates, and it does seem like there was a handful of films after Pirates where they're trying to maybe come up with another action adventure franchise. So I do wonder if this, you know, was was related to that of them trying to find their next action adventure series. I forget. Did we talk about the other two Steve Lisberger movies from the 80s last time? No, we didn't. Do you know anything about them? Yeah, I looked them both up, and they both sound really great. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to talk about them. Will you t- tell me about So his, the, his first post-Tron movie was called Hot Pursuit. Uh-huh. And it's about John Cusack, who misses the plane to go to a Caribbean vacation with his rich girlfriend and her family. Okay. And so he goes on a bunch of goofy misadventures trying to make his way to their yacht and when he gets there he finds out they've been held hostage by pirates and he's got to rescue them that sounds like a lot of fun and then he ups the ante the second movie of the 80s slipstream in the future earth has been devastated by natural disasters and a giant wind called the slipstream rules the planet a bounty hunter played by Bill Paxton Ooh. kidnaps a murderer out of the hands of police officers Mark Hamill and Kitty Aldridge and tries to get the bounty himself while he's being pursued by those two cops. Wow. Is, I wonder if that's anywhere to watch. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Slipstream. It but sounds don't, cool. Don't you want to see both those movies? I do want to see both those movies. 
Though I do wonder how good they are if Steven Lisberger didn't make another film after those. <laughs> and then shut it down. He did get to be a producer on Tron Legacy, and I, I I did read that the guys who wrote it did consult him on a lot of things. It sounds like the guys who wrote it were the only people that cared. I mean, the director cared. I think, I think the director cared. <laughs> Daft Punk cared. I, I, that was mean. It seemed like lots of people cared. Uh, you were telling me about the writers the other day, Sean. They worked on Lost. They worked on Lost, and they're doing that new Amazing Stories show. I love Amazing Stories, an old anthology show produced by Steven Spielberg, so uh, I'd love for that to be good. And the director is uh, Joseph K- Kaczynski, who mostly did commercials. Uh, he also has a background in architecture, which is kind of interesting, oh. so I could see how that could be helpful for yeah. making a Tron movie. He likes the shapes. Early on, he, uh, <laughs> he, he developed an unpublished graphic novel called Oblivion, which became the movie that he also directed later, called Oblivion. Yeah! He actually tried to make a deal with Disney over that, but they wanted to be PG, and he didn't. He wanted to at least be PG-13, mm-hmm. so they passed, and Universal scooped it up, became that Tom Cruise movie later on. But they didn't forget him. He got to work on Tron, and a lot of people like Tron Legacy, so it looked like it worked out for him. He's doing Top Gun Maverick. Okay, so there's your background on Tron Legacy. So, Sam... Uh, sabotages. It's really more of just a dumb prank. The meeting at Encom, and then <laughs> he goes to the roof where the security guard is like, "Hey, come on, man, what are you doing?" Because he's like wandering towards the edge edge of a building. Yeah, jumps off to, with a parachute. With a parachute, uh, and I guess somehow attracts uh, the attention of police officers. So he's speeding on his motorcycle again, and. Uh, it makes it seem like this kind of stuff happens all the time because after his high-speed chase, he's brought to the, the station and he just, you, we see him walking out and then going to like an impound lot. Like, this is just another day for Sam, rich kid Sam Flynn. Yeah. And he goes back to his uh, his sweet pad by the water. And he, and I want to I want to talk about something. He has a dog. Mm-hmm. that The same dog from the GIF. Very cute. Do you think it's a missed opportunity that this dog did not also get sucked into the grid? It's not that kind of movie. It would be a very different kind of this movie. Is a, a con. Is it a missed opportunity this dog is not in Tron? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to yeah, see, see Tron It would have been great. It would have been interesting. It would have been something new. He would have had all the lights all over him. Oh, but in this movie, if the dog had come in, he wouldn't have been the dog, though. He'd have been a car. Or he'd have been a <laughs> sexy lady. Or he'd have been some sort of like uh, you know Chewbacca monster. He definitely wouldn't have stayed a dog. He wouldn't be a cute little dog with a little suit? With a light-up suit? No. No, not a chance. Yeah, this movie's not really going for cute or charming, really. <laughs> this movie is going for aesthetic. It's going... It just wants you to look at it and think it's pretty. And that's made extremely clear with the way it treats its female characters, who uh, are constantly told to, like, like relax Wait. in a... Characters... Well, I guess there's two. There are, there's blonde there are lady. two female. Yeah, there's Jem. <laughs> there is a second and, uh, one. Cora. And Cora, named after the internet search engine, presumably. <laughs> yeah, uh, is it though? Do we ever get the actual spelling? <laughs> I would love it if, if it's the same spelling. It probably isn't. It's probably with a C. Uh, oh my god! It's spelled Q U O R R A. Close call, Disney lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's oh, that's funny. I was not expecting to to find that. Okay, so at this point, Sam is approached by 
everyone's favorite character actor, Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> He's Ooh. back, guys. He's, He's back. back. Looking pretty good. Still looking like Clark Kent. Looking like an older... Uh, he's aged well, Clark Kent. And uh, so, who I guess won he's the all... bet then? I remember you guys wagered whether he'd actually come back or if he'd come back as stock footage. I guess I. I don't know. What was your exact prediction, Sean? I think I was the stock footage bet. Okay. I was. I, I figured he would more likely show up just outside. Uh, I didn't expect a de-aged Bruce Boxleitner, which we did get <laughs> briefly. <laughs> briefly. Uh, so that was nice. So I guess I mean that was I the definitely that was the better de-aged character because I don't know Bruce Boxleitner's face that well. Mm-hmm. You don't get the same kind of close-ups either. That's true. I really want to talk about these faces. Uh, let's. We're almost there. I'm really excited yeah. to talk about. The, the, the de-aging so Bruce Boxleitner tells uh, Sam that he's been getting pages uh, mysterious pages from the old arcade, Flynn's Arcade mm-hmm. at the heart of Central City a, just a dead part of the city where no one lives and all buildings are abandoned, it feels abandoned. A derelict part of the city and he thinks he should he should check it out because he can tell that Sam is in a tough place I mean, yeah. he's, he's super rich and gets to play pranks all day and you know, yeah, escape from the police, but he's unfulfilled. He, he lives in a cool, uh, like the Dark Knight Bat Cave, where like it looks like it's just <laughs> shipping containers on the outside, but it's actually a sweet house inside. Uh, but Bruce Boxleitner, Alan, he can tell he's hurting, so he gives yeah. him the pager because he's the he's Rutger Hauer from Batman Begins, basically. Or no, I guess Rutger Hauer is the bad guy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, didn't you get the memo? Didn't you get the memo? Yeah, it's a Morgan Freeman. But he's costume. like, didn't you get the page in this one? Didn't get the page. <laughs> And it's funny because, guys, Pagers is old technology. Yeah, it's like from the 80s. Yeah. Goofy. Geez, old man. Get out of here, yeah. old man. Box what do you guys think of when you think of Pagers? Because I think of one thing very specifically. Oh, I don't think of anything, so tell me what it is. There's a scene in the hit film Three Ninjas. <laughs> Good start. Where uh, the three uh, goofy, like surfer bum goons that have to go kidnap the three ninjas at first are robbing a convenience store and uh the main one gets a page and he has to ask the store clerk if he can borrow his phone to reply to the page i always think of that interesting i've never seen three ninjas you've never seen three ninjas even though i know you had it taped off a tv i believe i had it taped off a blockbuster tape oh wow you're doing like the double Mm mm-hmm Nice. VCR into a VCR. Wow. Getting the maximum money out of those rentals. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you got to watch Three Digits at least more than once. And you're not paying yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. There's so many funny scenes. <laughs> Clearly that one scene made quite the impact on you. <laughs> so Sam gets to head back to Flynn's Arcade, which we remember from the previous film. It was bumping in that film. Yeah. Total party party zone. Yeah. Now, totally abandoned. Uh but Though, preserved. But preserved. Almost like a museum, oddly <laughs> enough. He goes in. Every single arcade machine is still there, just with, you know, some sheets over it. He flicks a switch. Everything powers on immediately. Yeah. Even the Eurythmics music starts playing. <laughs> How has this place not been broken into a hundred times? I don't know. It's a cool location. I'll give this it This is that. in the wildlands. No one goes to that part of the city. More of this character. 
Oh, you don't go to the wildlands, you fat boy. They'll get you. They'll eat you right up. I think Tron would be better with pirates in it. Because, <laughs> like, piracy. Yeah, there are, there's, there's internet pirates. There are, there's, they are, there's a solar sailor in both movies. That's a ship. If there's a ship, there are pirates. That's something that this movie needs is to come up with new concepts. I would love if there's a guy who's, like, his thing is he pirates software within the grid. Ooh. <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've seen that concept in a movie. I don't even recall there being any pirates or piracy jokes in the last uh, Wreck-It Ralph movie. I don't remember any of that. That's a good. That's a fun idea. We need, if next time somebody does a movie where people go into the internet, mm-hmm. let's get some pirates in there. Surfing the web. Surfing the. It's perfect. It, yeah, it writes itself. We'll just write a movie specifically about pirates <laughs> in the internet. I'd like. It's because the movie industry hates piracy so much that they. They would never. Oh yeah, those. Yeah, you wouldn't steal a uh, a car, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that whole shtick they used to play before movies. Uh, so Sam goes poking around Flynn's, and he goes to the Tron machine. Yeah, and he notices that it opens up. Yeah, crazy coincidence. He drops a quarter in it. He's gonna play Tron, but the quarter comes out of the machine and lands in a groove in the concrete, which. You know, it, it finally puts it all together that it, that the machine can. Move. I didn't understand how he realized the machine opens up based on that quarter landing on the groove in the concrete. <laughs> what he finds, I, I guess, is his dad's ha- hacker headquarters. Yeah, down in the basement, uh, a little computer set up down there. Actually, it's the sweet uh, touchscreen computer that uh, Dillinger had, right mm-hmm. from the, from the previous movie, or something similar, something like that, where it's like a black. A flat surface that you can type on with like light up keys. I only say or something similar because there are no references to master control in this movie. A little weird, huh? Yeah. The MCP. He's the main villain. At least maybe some sort of uh, clue. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't mean that kind of clue. That like master system or computer control. Master control. It's so hard to say the actual name because the actual name is the worst of all the names we come up with. Master computer and master system sound way better. Uh, it would have been nice to have him be the, like come back in the next movie that they were, I guess, going to make because they're all they were going to have Dillinger's son as the villain. So it would have been fun to have like a little hint somewhere in there. Yeah, I would love to see how they would do that big spinning top head now with all the modern. Now it's TV. Killian Murphy. Yeah, uh. spinning head. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, three D. <laughs> <laughs> the last movie ever released in three D. Be great. And. Uh, so yeah, he goes on to the computer, and I don't remember exactly what uh, is on the screen that he's interested in. Something prompt, something pops up that intrigues him. I think he sees that the last user was Flynn, and he's oh, like, he's oh, it must be my in. dad. So he's trying to figure out what's going on. But of course, the setup isn't just the same desk as before. There's also a laser pointed at the desk just like before why is that there that's where they that's where lasers get put in front of where people sit because i mean i i don't want to jump ahead but i will i mean we find out later that clue was the one trying to lure him down mm-hmm. where at first i was thinking oh well, maybe his dad put it there because he's trying to get his son in to rescue him but that's not the case it just happens to be that that laser is pointed right at the chair mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so through whatever misfortune, Sam ends up 
Yeah, big disappointment, right? The one of our favorite effects was Flynn getting sucked into cyberspace. Yeah, in the, the last movie. movie was like a grid pattern forms of his body, and then like a printer, his body yeah. starts back left and right, left and right, scanning into the grid. But in this one, it's just just transported, and then suddenly he's in the grid. Uh, I guess it was kind of cool that he walks outside of Flynn's arcade, and now everything has that neon light look that Tron does. Mm-hmm. And then just like in the previous Tron, he's immediately apprehended by one of those, uh, in the side, one of those old school robot space invader looking spaceships. Yeah, comes down and uh, he, uh, along with other rogue programs and whatnot, gets apprehended and sent to bad guy headquarters. Yeah, and you can see how uh, how fucked up things have gotten because like the programs, there's like one who's like got half a head. And he just growls at him. A lot of characters talk with really weird computery voices as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that. And uh, why not? <laughs> and uh, just like the first movie, uh, Sam uh, is is sent to play games. It's either play games or be deresoluted. There's one guy who's like, not the games, who gets picked for games and commits suicide to avoid playing yeah, the games. Seems dumb. So the games are that bad. What an idiot. They're that intense. And we get to uh, see some games. And uh, we get to see our favorite, I don't remember what it's called, Disc Fight again. Okay, I got it wrong the whole podcast. It's not Information Disc, or is it Information Disc? Identity Disc. Identity Disc. God damn it. It's not Memory Disc. You kept calling it Information Disc, and I called it Memory Disc. (laughs) It's an Identity Disc. It's a... It's not a light disc either. Because I remember you said... It, oh, it, it is it a light two disc. Names. So it's a it light disc. It's got two names. Yeah, I, I guess I should establish that. So once they give uh, Sam his cool Tron suit, because everyone has Tron suits, yeah. they're not blue anymore. They're white. They have white beams of light. Mm-hmm. I miss the blue. I don't like the white. Yeah, problem for me was I, I... I get it that they were trying to do a modern update on the Tron aesthetic. I just feel like it could have felt a little more reminiscent of the the first Tron's visuals while also updating it. It just it just felt a little more bland than in the first one. Like that first Tron has a very striking specific style, but this movie didn't quite have that for me. I think everything in this movie is done in the name of being sleek. I think yeah. they probably had sleek printed out in giant matte black letters on a glossy black frame. And they just looked at that and they touched it all the time. And it was their guiding principle. And I respect it to some degree. I, th- I think a lot of stuff in this movie is very cool in a computer wallpaper sort of way. <laughs> yeah. uh, or in a, in a this is a long Daft Punk music video sort of way. But I, I agree with Colin that they could have been so much more adventurous, uh, especially with, like, the new vehicle they introduce outside of Light Cycles is like, it's like a Batmobile thing. It's just like a Jeep. It's not, they could have, I mean, they could have done anything. The first Tron movie has these flying letter H's that could reconfigure into all these different forms. And yeah. they were just like, what if it's like, like a car that maybe like Audi could sell in like 15 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. 
a little disappointing. But what's not disappointing, one of the few things that I actually really enjoyed was we get to see that cool uh, that game from the original movie where you throw your disc uh, kind of like like it's like a mix between Pong and Highlight where you hit a surface and then it bounces onto a series of rings that your opponent is standing on and those rings start to disappear except now it's like in a closed off container where all yeah. sorts of areas are disappearing. I should also establish, yeah, we didn't I didn't even talk about the identity disc again is like it's all the everything you learn it's like basically a part of you um, is you're assigned and if you lose it you're done mm-hmm. for I guess. You which you lose your identity. Also there's a scene where little Flynn Sam Sam it gets gets his costume and they have like four ladies come out and put the clothes on him and he's like kind of flirty with them which is weird why did it take four ladies to do this <laughs> and like I I'm so confused by these they're, they're supposed to be just programs do they feel things do they have emotions like do they think? I guess they think like a computer thinks. Yeah, I mean that that comes that's the big distinction between them and the ISOs that Flynn cares about so much, um, and the movie doesn't really explain that difference. Like like at the end of the film, Flynn is telling Clue that his his limitation is that he was made by Flynn, and so he's only like he only understands things. The way Flynn did when he made him, yeah. And Cora does it because she's an ISO, and ISOs made themselves, so they're, so they're more advanced than programs. But they're just saying that we have no actual like proof that anything lines up with Flynn's analysis there. Like yeah. Clue came up with the idea of betraying everybody and taking over the city, and all Cora likes to do is fight. Uh, she likes to read. Huh? She, she, likes, she likes to read. She likes to read enough that she's read all these books but doesn't understand that Jules Verne is dead in 2010. Yeah, she seems pretty stupid for how smart she should probably be. She is good at driving that Cybertruck. She's good at driving the Cybertruck. She's good at sword fighting, but she does get her arm chopped off. <laughs> she can only do so much. Uh, so Sam competes uh, in the disc battle game. It's pretty cool. Panels are disappearing, falling through. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people get killed, I guess, in this universe, they explode into all sorts of little bits. It looks like they fall into a big pile of Legos. I yeah, love it. It's, cool. it's, a, it's a cool effect. It's it's fun to watch. It's sort of like the stuff that came out of uh, Sarek's yeah, head. Yeah, I think a callback to that Sark, for sure. Not Sarek. Sark. Although, yeah. Sarek is in this. <laughs> Who? The guy, Spock's dad, Sarek. The guy, the, you, okay, so Clue, Clue has a sidekick in this. Yes. He's a goofy, super pale guy with a weird visor going over the top of his head for some reason. Remember this guy, Colin? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't do much, but he does betray in the end. Anyway, the actor who plays that guy plays Sarek, Spock's dad, on Star Trek Discovery. That guy's my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> he's just the henchman. The henchman. Everyone else is so bland, but that guy is yeah. like, he's kind of sneaky. He, he doesn't really know who to side with. I love him. He's the best character in the movie. What's he's, that character's he's got name? That's such a distinct look. His, name's, like, his name is Jarvis, which is interesting Jarvis. considering this has Jeff Bridges from Iron Man. <laughs> uh, James Frain, I think, is the actor. If this is if I've got the right guy, maybe I don't. Does it say? No, it's him. Yeah, 
This is him. James Frain as Jarvis. Jarvis is the best character in Tron Legacy. And uh, so this this fight slash escape, trying to escape from the games, uh, eventually... Oh, lead... yeah, because he ends up fighting Rinsler. Yes, the iconic the, character Rinsler. The <laughs> mysterious masked uh, number one henchman of yes. Clue. He's he's uh he's got sweet ninja moves. Yeah, he's got sweet ninja moves, and he's got two identity discs, which seems like cheating. He has a dual identity <laughs> that'll come back later. Wow, I didn't think of it like that. That's pretty deep. But Rinsler uh, uh, finds out that um, Sam is human because he bleeds. He bleeds. So he decides to take him to Clue, and we finally get to meet Clue. And we talked a little bit about Clue. Clue is the program that. Uh, Kevin made to uh, make the perfect system, and it's a copy of himself. And mm-hmm. we finally get to see young Jeff Bridges. How do you guys feel about this uh, this character and his look? Uh, it doesn't look so good. I would say it's an abomination against God. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of how sometimes they'll get um, like celebrities to be in big budget video games, like how they got. Kevin Spacey to be in a Call of Duty or whatever that uh-huh. was. It looked oh, yeah. like that, where it's like, it's a pretty good, like, super realistic video game <laughs> translation of what a famous actor's face looks like, but there's no way you're buying it as real. And I also yeah. thought, like, they could have, uh, you know, justified why he looks like a video game man, considering they're in a video game world, but they don't really ever do that you're just supposed to accept that he's a real copy of jeff bridges so colin are you saying you would have preferred if instead of them making digital young jeff bridges they had instead taken old jeff bridges and covered him in goofy prosthetics and makeup and made him look (laughs) like digital jeff bridges Like he's a cyberman. Say that at all? I don't know where you got. Oh my god! Well, something clicked in my brain, and now this is the only thing. Colin was saying like if they'd established that people in this world look more like video game people. Yeah, because everybody you you came up with this. (laughs) (laughs) What about this idea, guys? (laughs) I mean, I think you're on to something. Like they paint his skin blue, and then (laughs) he has horns. And they, and and, and and he has a big one and a zero just covering his face, so he's like really obscured. I think Sean's overcompensating for his goof. So, uh, but appreciate the effort you put yeah, into conceptualizing this new character. Do you think they could have gotten away with it if they just shaved all the hair off Jeff Bridges' entire head? What do you mean, gotten away with it? Got away with what? Make him say that's younger him? Yeah. No. <laughs> absolutely not. I think. I think, worse, <laughs> I think there's a couple of solutions to this. Uh, one, don't do it. Come up with another idea because the technology isn't there. And if you feel like you have to do it, barely ever show it. Have him be in a helmet. Maybe have him be like partially deformed with weird like cybernetic parts over him so you can kind of blank yeah, him or mask like, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, blue with horns. Sure. <laughs> Something that alters it. But the thing is, they're going for full-on realism. We're like, we want you to see exactly what Jeff Bridges looked like when he was like 35. And it's terrible because we know what a human face looks like and we know what Jeff Bridges looked like at that time in his life because he's been famous for many, many years. And he was famous for is, a little film you may have heard of called Tron. <laughs> 
there's there's so many nuances in the human face that are there. It, you can catch when something isn't right. I think for this, the things you can catch uh, easiest are um, for one thing, the, the skin is way too smooth. Mm-hmm. The eyes seem small for some reason, but the mouth is the weirdest one. The, the way the mouth moves, it always feels like the speed of it is off a bit or something. I don't know. You talk about the smoothness of the skin. I wonder if that's like there's a lot of stretchiness around the lips, and that's yeah. That's there's not so present. many muscles. It's probably very difficult to replicate, and it's amazing because we're at the point now, you know, nine years later, even before that, seven years later, where we've finally got that down. The technology just wasn't there yet. But would the technology be there now if it wasn't for the brave heroes that gave it a shot in Tron Legacy? I mean, you have a valid point. You know, because that was the first time I ever remember... Because they did a little bit of, like, digital touch-up for X-Men 3 Mm -hmm. in 2006, but it was just a little bit. It wasn't super dramatic. This was full-on, we're going to make him 30, 20, 25 years By the way, thank you for bringing that up, because holy shit, compared to young Patrick Stewart, Jeff Bridges looks great in this. (laughs) I don't know if I agree with that. And and young Patrick Stewart, they even tried shaving all the hair off his entire head, and it didn't help. (laughs) Because for me, that was only that was less touch up. This is like you have to deal with Jeff Bridges not having a beard anymore and just being. I think they have to they had to go a lot younger. Yeah. Well, I guess it sort of ebbs and flows with it. I like there are, there are a few shots, a very few shots of Clue where I think it looks really good. Sure. Um, the more he's in the shadows, the better. Obviously, lighting <laughs> is super important to making CGI look good. You um, have to have good lighting. It doesn't help that they open with the scenes in the 80s where he's talking to the boy. That uh, might have been the worst one yeah. where the camera... Yeah, Kevin is sitting on the, on the on Sam's bed telling him the story of Tron. And the camera's slowly tilting from the back of his yeah. head to the side. And you're just like, oh no! You're seeing more and more of the face. You, you can tell they're trying to restrain themselves from showing his face too much. Uh, but then they do a big reveal shot too. Where he's like Sam asks like where are you going dad and he's like I'm going to the future or whatever but it's like a straight on shot of him and it's just it's he's, he smiles and it's so creepy <laughs> it's so creepy Sean I feel like you were almost trying to devise like maybe Clue like switched places with his dad at some point that, to try to explain how horrifying it looks I mean isn't that an exciting idea too it is it is but this movie doesn't try stuff like that it doesn't try anything from a storytelling standpoint it doesn't try anything risky or bold no uh, yeah i think this movie was sold on the idea of light cycles and light discs fights and just those suits imagine how good we could make them look yeah. with 2010 technology and we'll figure out the rest later and, and check this out <laughs> check this out it'll all be in 3d <laughs> yeah avatar right money, baby avatar avatar so we don't find this out now, but I, we might as well explain it now. Uh, Clue's plan is uh, he was the one that paged uh, Sam to try to reopen a portal uh, to the human world, and uh, Clue is trying to get his uh, trying to get Kevin to come out of hiding, and he's going to try to take his his identity disc and then use it to go through the portal. And I guess also bring like an army of people through the portal. An army of programs that he's remade in his image. Because he can't kill programs. He can only reprogram them. So a lot of people like, I don't know if we want to go there yet, but you know, people we know and care about in the Tron universe have been turned evil. Also, 
when they say that, it's right after a scene where he kills Program. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking <laughs> I'm about. I'm a little confused. Yeah, whatever. He blows up Michael Sheen like well, right before he doesn't that. kill a shot. He de-resolution. De- de- we don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> if you're telling me this is a world where everyone who gets de-res just like slowly puts himself back together over time, I'm very disappointed. Yeah. So here's my problem with this plan. I have so much trouble understanding what these programs are. I get that they're programs, but like if Clue makes it through the portal, does he need to eat food? Like is he a human? Does he have does he bleed? Like how big is he? How... Is he an inch tall? <laughs> is he a million feet tall? And we kind of get a bit of an answer cuz we do get to see someone go through it near the end. But, but she's an ISO. She's different. That's. I guess that's true. But like, what are they? Do they need to eat? They do like drink their energy juice all the time. They like that energy <laughs> juice. <laughs> and there is a dinner scene. Um, I can't remember if we actually ever see any of the program people eating. Oh yeah, Cora's there at the table. I don't but know. Does she eat? I don't because again, the women in this are there as set dressing more than to do anything. So I think she's probably just sitting sexily off to the side at the dinner table. Leah, let's jump ahead. Let's get to Cora. So uh, Clue, I, I, Clue challenges him to a light cycle race. Yeah, to kill him. To kill him, and I guess killing him will take will get Kevin to come out of Kev- hiding. He thinks Kevin will come to save. Okay. I don't think he's expecting him to kill him and then kevin comes oh i guess that that's a chance too yeah so they have a light cycle chase it's decent you know it's 3d now they go up and down yeah it's it's cool (laughs) and uh just as it seems like he's going to lose this uh the cyber truck shows up and picks him up and saves him and this Mm -hmm. is where we get to meet cora just like just like in first tron the heroes are captured and then they escape by going through a hole in the wall during a uh, a life, life cycle race scene, this is very is very familiar, and therefore it makes me feel comfortable because I know it and I recognize it. But Cora is a new thing. Cora is well. There was another in in the first movie. They had Laura, and she had a program equivalent that was helping them out too. And just like in that movie, this character has no motivation for actually helping them. <laughs> but you just kind of go with it. Right, Cora falls under that trope of the of the sexy baby. I think is what they call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is kind of we like the manic pixie dream girl, sort of. Episode. Yeah, where it's like your character is 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 sexy and fun and, and stuff, but like is so stupid, doesn't know anything. It's like they don't understand the world, even though it seems like they really should, and they only exist to serve someone else. And, and they're not dumb; they're hyper intelligent. They're just naive and they're naive not, that's true like and, a child like and, a baby and uh they, they usually are hyper skilled at something like she's really good at driving and fighting and, and fighting, fighting yeah she's a badass but she doesn't understand things yeah, uh, but did you see the part where she like sits on the couch and she like puts her legs up though it's like pretty sweet right oh yeah they're definitely trying to play up the sex appeal with this character as much as they can with a fully clothed person <laughs> and she wears a lot of makeup i guess not a lot of people wear a lot of makeup that makes her stand out. You saying you want to see the the R-rated Tron, Sean? <laughs> it's Tron, but the R is really big on the poster because it's R-rated. Actually, her shoulders are exposed. It's they are so exposed. hot. It is a more revealing outfit than most outfits. 
not my much. But also, my I always notice superheroes and the characters in this have like boots, but when the, when you're a lady, they're like high heel shaped boots, which is impossible. That's not what. How can you function? In how those? do you get those? <laughs> but I don't know. She's a program. Doesn't matter. It's different rules. <laughs> Makes your butt look good. That's yeah. all that matters. And uh, she takes them out of off the main grid, off the grid, I guess. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, uh, to the uh, Fortress of Solitude, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. where uh, we uh, meet Kevin. He's he's living here. It really takes a lot from this character to call him Kevin, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever calling him Kevin in the first movie. I just want to call him Jeff Bridges or Flynn. Yeah. Well, he's, he's such Jeff Bridges. Like like he was. Yeah, because they the call beginning. him Flynn. They never call him Hey Kevin. <laughs> And he and he's, 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 he says man a lot. He's talking about Zen. He's he's a wise monk sage in this one. It's uh, they've really leaned into who Jeff Bridges became, at least by reputation in this movie. I'm just gonna start calling him Jeff Bridges. <laughs> so he, he's he's reunited with Jeff Bridges after all these yeah. years. Uh, he's got a cool. He looks like a hippie guru now. He's got the big beard. Yeah, robes. And he lives in a room that's the equivalent of the room at the end of 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> This big white room that has like classic furniture, Mm -hmm. because I guess it's just like super cool. That's his aesthetic. You, you, I would expect more of like a beanbag chair and like an arcade machine, like Flynn's arcade. Yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. He'd be. I guess he does. He does have a kimono. But that's the thing. We we got to know Flynn when he was down on his luck, but he had been a CEO for years before he became this Flynn. That's true. Corporate fuck from the eighties. Yeah. Also, at this point in the movie is where Jeff Bridges explains um, the, the story of Clue, and uh, we get a video game cutscene with uh, him and Tron and Clue back in the day, mm-hmm. all with the horrible de-aging technology yeah. on their faces of how uh, of how Clue turned against him and murdered Tron. The camera cuts away now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Clue wanted to create the perfect system. Did he find that uh, Flynn was imperfect? No, it's not even that. What was his reason for turning against him? Uh, when the ISOs manifested themselves. Oh, the ISOs, yes. That uh, was another thing. Should we talk about those? I mean, that's... I don't know. I can't add anything more than what I've already said, which is they are... They were programs that created themselves, yeah. so they're different from the programs that Flynn and Tron and clue have created and right. flynn's all about it he thinks they're super cool he thinks they're the way of the future he think he, he talks about them like coming to the real world and like creating world peace and all this stuff that doesn't make any sense there's no explanation on how anything good will happen from bringing more people into the world um but it doesn't matter because uh clue wants to make the perfect system and to do that he commits a genocide on the isos yeah, full on genocide, which at least gives a good reason for why Cora and Flynn live together. Yeah, I was a little worried there was going to be a creepy thing of like she she looks young, but she's actually old enough for me to be in a relationship with her <laughs> type thing. But they did not do any of that because yeah, she's, she's a Sam love interest, not a Flynn love interest, right? It seems like he's taken on more of like a fatherly mm-hmm. role. They they read books, they play chess. Not much going on. This is another thing that uh, makes me uncomfortable about the Tron world. There's so little of the Tron world is fleshed out 
I just I just think, what does everyone do mm-hmm. all day? <laughs> and, and remember, they say that like an hour in the real world is not even a nanosecond in the cyberspace. So the 30 years that Flynn's been there have probably been like hundreds of years from his point of view. <laughs> now, can he create things out of nothing when he's there? Can he like... Because he has stuff. He has a chess game. Yeah, and he's, he made his light cycle. They make a big deal out of that. They eat suckling pig. And at the end of the movie, he uses programming powers to do some shit. Uh, just like he did at the end of the first movie. So he must be doing something. Just a lot of porn. <laughs> Use it all up. That's why I had to send the page. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's like, uh, fuck it, it's too dangerous, um, uh, I don't want to go. Uh, <coughs> but, uh, Sam, he, he's, he's, he's desperate to, to try to find a way that they can get out of there. He talks to Cora. Cora says she knows someone who might be able to get them to the portal. Mm-hmm. I believe the name she says is Zeus. Mm-hmm. And so that takes them did to... You, did you look up how Zeus is spelled in the credits? It's very upsetting. How's it spelled? Z-U-S-E. That sucks. <laughs> You're right that he'd be disappointed. That's fucking dumb. There's only one spelling of Zeus. Yeah. It's like if I found out a character's name was Jesus and then you told me it spelled J-E-E-Z-U-S or some bullshit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, some, something stupid like that. So they go to a club, which I did not know until right now is called End of Line Club. Oh, lame. Because there's only so many things to draw from the original movie. It's either going to be called End of Line Club or Laser Bay 2 <laughs> Club. <laughs> I would like, I'd love it if it's called the Laser Bay Club. How about the MCP, Master Control Party? Master Control Party. And this is a party, man. We got Sweet Jams. We got Daft Punk cameo. Let's take a minute to talk about Daft Punk music. I've heard people say that that is the single best thing about this entire movie. It, it's great. It's one of the best things Daft Punk has done. Where do you guys win on the Daft Punk music in Tron Legacy? I, I, I guess it's good in that it, it's distinct and memorable, but not like overpowering. I mean, I guess it is a little distracting that they're in the actual movie itself, but I think it adds a nice, nice bit of style to the movie that it probably would have been lacking if it just had a straightforward orchestral score. Hmm. Sean, you want to weigh in? I thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Hmm. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Uh, There's some moments where it sounds pretty good. It's really bumping. But it's not something that where I'd be like, I have to rush out and buy the soundtrack. I this is a classic sound. This is a classic score I'll always remember. And it's funny because I feel like that's the reputation it had. And I think the reason is, obviously, Daft Punk is a very popular group, and they have not had many releases. So I think every time they've released something, it's very special to people because it's 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 one of very few. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big part of why people love it. It was it was done by Daft Punk, and there's only like three or four Daft Punk albums anyway, so it's like getting another album. But honestly, and maybe it was more impressive in 2010, I feel like there's so many synth scores now, especially now that we've hit this 80s nostalgia wave. There's so much stuff that sounds like that now that it's hard to appreciate that. I I feel like I've even just maybe a year after this movie, Drive came out, and that has a score I think I like better that's very synth-heavy. 
but people don't talk about that because it wasn't done by you know i mean they did talk about that but it wasn't done by a band that's cool like daft punk so by cliff martinez so i think the fact that it's got daft punk's fingerprints on it is a big part of it but it is good it's, it's good but i don't think it's iconic and i don't like the string stuff in it i think that stuff is super forgettable i like the jams i like the synth beats but there's some string stuff, and I was like, "Oh, is this some like Michael Giacchino bullshit that like <laughs> like Daft Punk just did songs, and then they got another guy to do the, the 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 strings over it?" But no, they even did that. That was their choice. A little disappointed by that. I think I mean people talk about how audiences today are very savvy in the language of film, and that includes the like expectation of what music is supposed to sound like based on the emotion and like even just the place a scene takes place in a movie you sort of can anticipate what the score sounds like and the fact that Daft Punk leans into that and gives people those those cues uh, when they don't necessarily have to because they can do the jams like you talked about is a little disappointing I don't know if that's something that carries over to the soundtrack album yeah um but there were, I don't know, four or five scenes where the music, where it became a full-on music video and people weren't sure. talking much and the music takes the center stage that I thought were really cool. It had some pretty good moments. Definitely. I just think for, for the hype going in, I was a little surprised yeah. that it wasn't quite as memorable as I thought, but it was still good. I think if it hadn't had that hype for me going in, I would have appreciated it more, but I liked uh, it. Yeah, yeah, reputation. It was cool seeing Daft sword. Punk as the DJs in this club, especially as like kind of chaos breaks out in the club and they're just like okay now we gotta get a good fight yeah. jam going <laughs> they, they know their job uh so this is the scene where uh, sam and cora get to meet david bowie yeah <laughs> michael sheen is their uh their his name's caster though not not zeus i guess caster turned out to be a lie or a, 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 a ruse? What, what would it was? What was he, the point of that? He says the caster is his his way of hiding in plain sight, so so he can do his zoo stuff secretly. Okay, so he's he is both. Uh, but yeah, Michael Sheen. Uh, he looks like uh, David Bowie in the Aladdin Sane cover. Mm-hmm. He's got a mullet and mm-hmm. some weird, very pale, but also like some some makeup touches. Some like it's weird. Uh, is this a memorable character though? Yeah, but pointlessly so. Pointlessly so. <laughs> he has a cane that shoots lasers. But that doesn't even hit anyone. Uh, yeah. Also, so he's kind of like the swinging nightclub guy uh, who's all about excess and getting what he wants. But, again, what were the pleasures of Tron World, mm-hmm. of, of the grid? Mm-hmm. Drinking? Sex? Like, what? Money? Credits? Sometimes you just have to convince yourself you're having a good time to have a good time. <laughs> so he does. He does turn on them. Uh, it, it turns out he just wants the. I guess the uh, the disc. The, uh, yeah. The so so Sam had tried to misdirect by selling Flynn's light cycle to uh, presumably that weird <laughs> alien that was selling ponchos <laughs> from Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Um, but they, but he was betrayed, and uh, the 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 more the goons show up, and there's a fight scene, and lucky for Sam, Cora also has uh, come after the boy, and she's able to fight off the goons, but she also 
gets her arm chopped off, and she goes to sleep. Yeah. Caster takes uh, Jeff Bridges' identity disc. Jeff Bridges shows up and saves the day with his magic. Yeah. But also, it seems like less is magic and and more is reputation. Like, it seems like a lot of people are like, whoa, it's it's Flynn. Let's just, like, let him do whatever he wants to do. I mean, it's like if you're on the internet in, like, a chat room and then, like... Bill Gates enters the chat. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be pretty you'd Shut up and let him say what he wants to say. <laughs> Bill Gates enters the chat, but also Steve Jobs is there and he's trying to kill Bill Gates. <laughs> is this the plot of Pirates of Silicon Valley? <laughs> it's all coming together. Uh, but yeah, Cab... So Caster gets the disc and he turns it into Clue. I guess he wants to go. He wants to rule Tron City. Oh, he wants to rule Tron City, right? And uh, but Clue now he's not. Blows him up. Just blows him up. Not super exciting. The other characters escape in an elevator. They do escape. Elevators are fun. We're getting to the blurry part of the movie. The elevators. So here's the thing. We've talked about the backstory already. The movie has not. Although the movie makes you think it has already talked about the backstory because there's the long, boring scene where they're hanging out at Flynn's sex pad where he uh, talks about everything that had happened that led to him being stuck Uh in the grid. But after they get off the elevator, they steal a solar sailor. This is like the same space... Count Dooku ship from the first movie. Yes. Um, and we get back-to-back lengthy exposition dumps where Flynn and Sam talk about Sam's life on the outside and they grow closer together. I guess it's not an exposition dump. It's just character development, but it's fucking boring. <laughs> um, and then after that, Sam gets to try to put... Korra back together with Flynn's help. And so he gets like bond with her too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gives a shit? It's so boring. Nothing happens on this fucking space boat. Not even any jokes. Not even an appearance by bit. Though, there is a brief moment where Jeff Bridges walks over to a shelf and picks up like a weird little toy of bit. So bit got turned to stone. Or just like a like to remember. Oh, he's bit. just a fan. <laughs> he's a fan of his uh, own creation. Which is Haven't like, you ever had a pet, Sean, and then later had a toy made out of it? <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense because in the real world he had toys of Tron and Clue. So of course, in Cyrus Face, he has toys of. Uh... Well, no. If that made sense, they would have a toy of like the dog. This would have been a good scene for the dog to be in in Tron, Tron Land, Cyberspace. Right. Uh, this just can we get to boring, the end? Boring, boring, yeah, boring. Yeah, uh, the part where there's a giant beam to another world, like there was in every. Let's uh, get to the point movie where from the early 2010s. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Wait, right so this, they 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 dock the boat and they get off, and Cora fights Rinsler, and I guess chooses to lose. This this bothered me because here's what they could have done. Yeah. Fight scene. Cora gets her arm chopped off. They accidentally they in in the escape they have to leave her behind, and she's captured by Rinsler. Boom! You skip the whole Solar Sailor thing. You cut straight to where we end up here, where she's been taken to fascist HQ, like the First Order base from <laughs> The Force Awakens. Yeah, and they have to rescue her. You could have skipped the whole Solar Sailor. 
Yeah, could about ten minutes out of this movie. Well, yeah, it was more like seventy-two minutes of the movie. I'm pretty sure most <laughs> this is of the movie a long movie. This is over two hours. I, wasn't the original Tron like ninety-six minutes? Yeah, it was so yeah. nice, and it was all in cyberspace, just like I wanted this it. This is be. like a half hour longer. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Rinsler because it turns out Rinsler isn't Rinsler. Yeah, Rinsler is Tron, right? Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> we kept saying Rinsler, but like I never actually heard that name in the movie, so I was. I, I hope that's right. I just want to make sure we're talking the same guy. <laughs> Rinsler is true. We do have a history of saying the wrong thing. Huh? Just committing to world. it. Yeah. And it's one of those things you figure out before they tell you, so it's not super surprising, but how could it have been? It's It's kind of interesting, I guess. I thought maybe there would be some other surprise actor in this movie just because we saw Killian Murphy early on. but Yeah, maybe something else. Uh, I'm trying to think if there could be... Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe David Warner shows up. <laughs> like uh. 70-something David Warner. <laughs> he takes off the mask and he's Rinsler. But yeah, you can't have a main masked henchman who keeps showing up over and over and not have whoever's under that mask being a big reveal. And... and- the movie doesn't have original ideas, so... There's only so many characters, too. It's gotta be Tron. It could have been Laura. What's funny is... they. It, this is what I find hilarious. Uh, there's, a, there's just a point where Jeffrey just says, It's Tron. But it, it's funny because, like... I feel like in a more memorable... Um, not that the movie original isn't memorable, but with if had Tron been played by a more memorable actor... You could have just had the reveal of him taking off the helmet, and it's like, oh my god, it's Tron! But since nobody knows who Bruce Boxleitner is, Tron never takes off his helmet. Because no one would get anything from that, because no one knows who he is. You know, if the original... Uh, who's, who could be an actor from the 80s that people could have recognized? If it was if it was even Bo Bridges, people might have recognized him. It's like, oh my god! Oh my god, it's Bill Murray! <laughs> the Bo Bridges has been taking all these... He's been digitally slimmed down to be a ninja. Not that he was even that thin in 1982. I would have loved that so much. Are you saying that Bo Bridges looks, <laughs> looks like Jeff Bridges' young... But also more overweight. I was just saying, like he's definitely got a bigger head than Jeff Bridges. (laughs) I'm just saying that it would have been funny because, like, well, I guess it depends. Like, if if Bo Bridges had been Tron in the original movie, I don't know what shape Bo Bridges is at in 1982. But I just feel like had they made it later, they would have had this kind of chunkier guy doing all these ninja moves, and I just really enjoy the thought of that. Because that's something I haven't seen. I haven't seen a chunky ninja movie, with the exception of Beverly Hills Ninja. A lot of ninja movies getting talked about today. But yeah, we realize it's Tron, and it's sad, but it's weird because like Tron isn't a character that most people have like a history with. He's not mm-hmm. a memorable pop culture character. And, He's just a name. And also, like we talked about last time, it's it's even kind of hard to justify why that movie is called Tron, because. You can sort of imagine that, like, from cyberspace's point of view, he's the hero. But even from that movie's point of view, Flynn is more of the hero than They should have just called the world Tron. It would have been so much easier. So much easier. But no, they called it the grid. It's funny because, you know, it's so funny. They called it Tron, and because they called it that, they have to, like, oh, we got to find a way to work Bruce Boxleitner into this, right? (laughs) Because he is Tron. So we have to find a way to, the secondary character to be a part of this movie, too. Mm -hmm. Um. 
so I just thought that was funny. But yeah, we reveal he's um, he's Tron, and uh, I think a little bit later, uh, through like a chase, we see that Tron does kind of remember a little bit that he used to be a good guy, mm-hmm. which is weird because these are computer programs. Like they have feelings now. I'm I'm so, I'm so confused about what they think and feel. Exactly. There's not if if they're and and in the first movie we got the impression that programs in cyberspace were identical to people like you, the only way you could tell that flynn was a user and everyone else was a program is because flynn had extra powers that nobody else did it wasn't because he had free will or yeah. more personality everyone had the same amount of personality right. and so when they doubled down on that distinction with the isos like all oh, these guys are so much better than the programs why show us explain it and they can't nah they can't they gotta use all that that two hours for hanging out yeah God. uh yeah there's a uh i guess somewhere around here there's a chase in the sky yeah that's where uh they they, they shoot at each other with space well there's like he, they break cora out and she's regrows her she's regrown her arm at this point i think i said that already yeah they, and she's remember she was good at driving, right? So she's flying the spaceship, and Sam is shooting the turret in the back, and that's when Tron remembers that he's Tron, and he flies right into Clue's ship, and they yes. both blow up. And uh, Tron goes crashing into the cyber sea, <laughs> and it's at this moment as he's sinking down to the bottom, we see his red lights turn blue. Yeah, and you're thinking, watching this movie. That oh he's gonna come back and help them in some way, mm-hmm. but no, it's just the setup for the sequel because yeah. falling in the uh, in the sea will help him uh, survive what what comes next the eventual explosion. Also, it's Disney, so they didn't even have the courage of letting anyone think Tron was dead for a second. So <laughs> they like as soon as the explosion happens, like no no no, don't worry, Tron's alive. Clue's probably also alive. Everyone's alive. Don't worry about death in this or any Disney property. I want to talk about that again in just a minute about death. Okay. <laughs> let's talk. Okay. Let's talk about the portal when they get to the portal. Mm-hmm. They get to the portal and they're going to. Oh, we also forgot to say that Sarek uh, betrayed Clue and gave the the identity disc to Sam because they had had it before and now Sam has it. Sean, it's confusing you call him Sarek because that's the character he plays on Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know what his name was. You said it earlier. Jarvis. Jarvis. Just say the bald guy. I had to think. I was like, is Sean talking about Sark? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that does make it confusing. <laughs> yeah, I love that Sarek, like betrays Clue and then immediately like, oh, uh, d- death of the user. Best character. He's conflicted. He's a coward. I love him. <laughs> He's great. I want a, I want a Jarvis action figure. Yeah. Okay, well, Christmas is coming, so be careful Christmas when you say things like that. But yeah, they make it to the, the portal, and uh, I, I don't remember if Jeff Bridges is hesitant to go through, or if he is ready to go through, but then Clue shows up and destroys the bridge. Yeah, it's done in a way like this was Jeff Bridges' plan all along, Yeah, but it's like, why? Don't you want to go back? They, they never had a scene where he was like, oh, I've been here too long. I can't go back to the real world. Uh, they could have. Like I was saying earlier, theoretically, he's been here for what felt like hundreds of years, right? So they, 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 they could have had him be like, I'm too weary to go back and, and try to live a life again. But instead, they 
they just I guess it's all internal you have to read it on his face <laughs> and like doesn't he want to be with his son yeah he's a bad dad he's a bad that's the biggest thing like yeah be with your family and it's like Neil Armstrong he's just gotta cope with tragedy by isolating himself He's the Neil Armstrong of the science fiction of cyberspace. World. Of this, the Neil Armstrong of cyberspace. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, Clue he was sh- the first man. Clue shows up and he wants to go through the portal, and he mm. takes uh, he takes uh, Jeff Bridges' identity disc. It, it's so hard to remember calling it identity disc every time. I always want to call it something else, mm-hmm. uh, only to find out that he's not carrying his actual identity disc anymore. He has Cora's identity disc. Yeah, and is that a problem? Is that something we should be worried about? For I Cora? get. I don't. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. That's her whole identity. <laughs> is right? she okay? She, will she know less? Will she know nothing? Will she be the full sexy baby? Oh my god! <laughs> and this is bad news for Clue because the bridge has been destroyed at this point, and. Uh, Sam and Cora on the other side of the bridge with the uh, with the the right identity disc with uh with Jeff Bridges identity yeah. disc. So Clue makes an epic jump, which he just about makes. Yeah, it's almost there. They have superhuman jumping ability. And as he's dangling on the edge, climbing up, they still have time for a whole conversation between Flynn and Sam. <laughs> They're just like ignoring poor Clue at this point. And then uh, <laughs> with his magic. Uh, right before Sam and Cora transport, Jeff Bridges uh, somehow merges Clue back into his body mm-hmm. through magic. Which is not how any of this works as far as we've seen so far. It's, this is a new concept yeah. to us. He uses magic to suck in Clue, and I guess the result is explosion. Explosion. And it's just the same time that uh, Sam and Cora recreate the, the pose from the Tron poster where... He's holding the disc up high, and Cora's embracing him. So, one last reference for us. <laughs> and they get sucked in, we see everything blow up, but you still see the sea is still there, so you know Tron's yeah, You know fine. Tron's fine, if, even if everything else has been destroyed. And Sam makes it back! Back in the arcade. And uh, Alan shows up, Bruce Boxleitner, mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, Alan, I'm, gonna get, I'm interested in the company again, and I'm making you CEO. So that's nice. It's nice to yeah. Bruce Boxlight to get that moment. Good for him. Probably doesn't get that moment too much in yeah. movies anymore. He's got to co- complete the uh, the Morgan Freeman Dark Knight or Batman Begins story arc. Yeah. And we also find out that Cora made it through. And she's a person. She's just a person. Or something. She's even got human clothes instead of her Tron she's space clothes. Cool leather jacket. Yeah. And they go on a motorcycle ride and experience the real world. Yeah, they see the sun trees there's like a scene earlier it's like oh how do you like describe the sun and i'm like the sun's easy thing to describe especially to these people that live in a world of blinding lights (laughs) (laughs) yeah literally everything glowing but no he can't describe the sun and i I feel like this was the one stylistic part of the movie that was letting me down is they didn't have that like beautiful shot of nature to like really sell you on how happy they are to be in the real world they had like, like some fine sort of like almost stock footagey ones. And the movie ends on a shot of them on the motorcycle. It's like you can't even see really where they are. It's just their faces on, on the bike. It's the greatest love story. It's, I, I guess. <laughs> they bonded over... Uh, not dying together. Over both liking uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. 
And I guess not taking it too bad that he died. Yeah, he's pretty much dead for most of his life anyways. It's more of like he got to hang out with the Not ghost. for her life. Oh yeah, she's been there for like thousands of years. But now she gets to go on a motorcycle ride. That's true. She, she loves like going real fast on vroom vroom <laughs> speedy vehicles. You know, it's funny because I don't even remember them having, and maybe I'm misremembering this, having moments where she's like, I would love to see the real world. I can't imagine doing this. I mean, there's the thing about the sun, and she likes books, but she can read books on the grid. I think, but it's it's Jeff Bridges' ultimate plan for the ISOs to invade the Earth and make it better somehow. So, and she believed in him, so she must have believed in his dream. Yeah. Oh, something I didn't touch on earlier too is I, I do kind of like that moment between Jeff Bridges and Clue, where he says like, "You wanted to make the the perfect system. The problem is like when I came up with that idea, I was like an imperfect person. So you will never be perfect." Mm-hmm. I kind of like that exchange. It's kind of cool. There's some good stuff in this movie. Yeah. It's just there's too much movie and not enough of ideas. It needs to be 20 minutes shorter. They need to throw in more stuff. Uh, we need a dog in it. I mean, <laughs> Tron was made at a time when I think the average person didn't really know much about computers. Like, it was a new idea. I, I, we talked about it. Lisberger wanted to bring the, the, the world of computers to general audiences. Yeah. That was the motivation. In 2010, that's not the case anymore. And you don't need to be like, cyberspace, it's pretty crazy, right? You have so much opportunity. The internet exists now. They, like The only reason this plot works is because it's a computer that's alone in an arcade, somehow powering itself even though the electricity grid was turned off when he comes into the arcade. It, it could have... We could have done Wreck-It Ralph, man. I don't know. There's there's an infinite world of possibilities when you have something as bizarre as the original Tron, and you're making a sequel to it 30 years later, 20 years later. Uh, so Tron was a hit, though, for, for the most part. Tron Legacy. Uh, I think I saw that it made like $400 million over all That's over the whole world. It cost $170 million, so it cost a lot, but it made, it made it back. It was an open number one. I'm not sure why they didn't make a sequel because it seemed like they really wanted to. I guess it's pretty expensive and maybe they just thought it wasn't worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, I, I very much believe they could have brought Jeff Bridges back, but yeah. but maybe they were staring down the prospect. That's what when I said I want to talk about death again. Do you think they would have brought him back? Yeah. For another one. Yeah, probably. Uh, he'll be even... He'll, remember uh, Clash of the Titans? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. How uh, 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 Liam Neeson had like glowy armor, like he, yeah, yeah, you couldn't yeah. even look at him. That's what that's what they would have. I kind of like that Clash of the Titans remake. It's not that bad. It's pretty entertaining. I did not see who's the star of that one. Ooh, is it? It's not Sam Worthington, is it? Well, it's him or Jai Courtney. I think it is Sam Worthington, the, one of the most forgettable actors yeah. in existence. <laughs> yeah, you're just forgetting about him right now. For some reason, I was getting it mixed up with the Mortals, which I think stars Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, but he's a hunk of hunk of burn in love. He is he is definitely way hunkier than Sam Worthington. But here's the thing I wanna I wanna ask you guys. So Tron hit more or less. Why didn't any of us see it? Hadn't seen the first. Is that the? But most people probably hadn't. Most people are dumb and will just go see whatever. It, I mean, isn't that the logic of doing a sequel anyway? That a lot of people be like, oh, two, that must mean the first one was good, so therefore I should go see the second one. 
I remember us being vaguely interested in it. I think it just didn't quite get good enough reviews at the time for us to want to see it. I think, yeah, I think then we we had our uh, our blog or, or website going in 2010. So, uh, yeah, we would have been aware of, uh, of, of reviews. I think we stopped take. I think 2008 was probably the year when we, we kind of stopped jokingly seeing bad movies because that's when I saw The Love Guru and I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> and then from there on out, I just don't go to bad movies for fun because movies are expensive. So I think it probably was that where I was like, eh, maybe, but then like bad reviews uh none of us had seen i sean i had probably seen part of (laughs) the first drawn yeah i I think that was it just lack of interest yeah did this come out like the same time as true grit interesting well that would have been 20 i that checks out I don't know if I no. I definitely saw True Grit. I think fairly close to Christmas time too. I don't know. I, I was trying to remember if I saw it in Christ, like December or January. Yeah. You know how it is sometimes with those kind of movies, Oscar movies. This this was kind of in the midst of a Jeff Bridges <laughs> renaissance. I feel like because Crazy Heart was the year before when he won oh, an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're right. This is the the Jeff Bridgesance. And how far are we from R.I.P.D. at this point? Pretty close, oh. One, like a year, maybe two years. December, Toronto opened December seventeenth, and it opened up against the Fighter, which I saw. Did we all see that in theaters together? I saw, I saw in it. theaters we at did. least. Yeah, and uh, how do you know? And Yogi Bear. So uh. yeah, we would have been in Oscar mode at this point. I'm just scrolling ahead. Yeah, True Grit opened uh, the next week. That's funny. So this was the Star Wars of 2010. Yeah, and then Gulliver's Travels on uh, on Christmas. <laughs> It's crazy looking at this month as a whole. That's really the only... Okay, I, no, I misspoke. Um, Dawn Treader came out earlier that, that month. Is that also a Disney movie? Do they make those? Uh, I think it's Fox. It says Fox 2000 Pictures, which I don't think exists anymore, <laughs> uh, slash Walden Media. Hmm. Uh, when did Fox 2000 Studios... Well, the point is it's Disney now. It is Disney now. <laughs> It's all Disney which is followed by twenty percent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, this was kind of before people thought about making like an action adventure movie to release in December. So another reason maybe, maybe Tron would have done even better had it been a June release. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. So, Tron Legacy. We've watched both of the Tron movies. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm glad that I watched Tron Legacy. So now I know what the hype is about for those that cult following it has. The first one's way better, no question. Yep. Uh, I didn't like Tron Legacy, but it, it it wasn't all bad. There's some interesting stuff. It kind of makes me think about like how some people say like there's like you know there's bad movies that are bad, but they're like interesting because they're ambitiously bad, and then mm-hmm. there's just like okay movies, and sometimes those are worse. And I kind of feel like this is in the latter category. We're like it's okay, but in a way, that's I think what hurts it is it doesn't try to be ambitious it doesn't try to take too many risks aside from the face thing so i think the face thing i wish it did <laughs> there's that um the the lack of ambition and also for me it just how much do we actually talk about the main character of this movie we've been talking about this for like nearly two hours we've said basically <laughs> nothing about sam well, he said he was a rebel he's like a teenage batman but that's all gone after the first 10 15 he's minutes. so boring and forgettable yeah they could have made him fun like like chris pratt fun they were they're banking on him 
being a, a Flynn. Like that's the they're like, well, he's the son, so therefore the the audience is gonna like him. Uh, but if that if you took that away, if he was a Dillinger, he he would still be this rich asshole. Yeah, plays by nobody's rules but his own. Doesn't care about anyone but himself. But actually has a heart of gold immediately whenever he's tested. It is interesting to think about Jeff Bridges' Flynn character as our lead in the original film because he didn't seem that impressive when I watched it. Then then by comparison, it's like yeah, he's like a. He's having kind of fun. He's kind of a smart ass. Mm-hmm. Like he was a character. Mm-hmm. And Sam is just a haircut. <laughs> that's what he is. And that's what Garrett Hedlund may always be. A haircut. So we're going to put it on, on his acting. We're not going to put it on the writing. Okay, yeah, it's on the writing. But still, he's not helping. <laughs> he's not helping. Yeah, he's not helping it. They should have just made Jeff Bridges also the son. <laughs> See, now you're speaking my language. De age him even more to be like 23 years old. Weird teenage Jeff Bridges. We have to stare at it constantly. <laughs> There's no avoiding it. And make Cora female Jeff Bridges. <laughs> That'd be so great. Just a world of Jeff Bridges. I've always wanted to do a movie. I've always had this idea for a movie where, like, there's a guy who's, like, annoyed by someone, and then he wakes up the next day, and everyone in the world is that guy now. <laughs> I'm going to pitch that to Eddie Murphy. He'd yeah. like that. Maybe Eddie Murphy circa 2002 oh, would I like think, that. Oh, I'm thinking of Anomalisa, how they had oh, yeah. everyone in the world voiced by the same guy. That's great. That's a great movie. I like that movie. Uh, Tron Legacy, though. Uh, you can check it out on Disney+. Plus. Very convenient. Um, but yeah, it sounds like I'm the only one who even sort of liked this movie. Is that right? Well, he liked it more than Colin and I, at least. Right. Yeah, well, I was mixed, I think. I don't know. I gave the lowest rating on Lightbox. I gave it two stars. So I'm calling it, you gave it two and a half. Yes. Gave it three. Got a nice little spread there. Mm-hmm. But I think I gave the first one like a three and a half, maybe even a four. So It's definitely better. It's yeah. definitely better. All right, let's do our next pick. No John's goofs. Oh, shit. Yeah, it, there's plenty of goofs. They made way more mistakes in this movie than the last one. Uh, are we to believe? Are we to... I, I did do a search for are we to believe and didn't see it. So in Flynn's Arcade, we see a Mortal Kombat machine. There's one. I'll give you a couple goofs. Okay, so the goof is that... Flynn's arcade. arcade was shut down in the mid-80s, and Mortal Kombat didn't come out until the 90s. But we don't know that it shut down, so I disagree. Yeah, anyone could have been running it. F. I, I gotta do the file. Did I find this interesting? Nope. Nope. Wasn't uh, there also a goof in It Chapter 2 that there was a Mortal Kombat arcade machine? That one is a way bigger goof. Yeah. That's a real goof. This is a fake goof. <laughs> You're right. I don't know if I understand the difference, but I appreciate the consistency of two movies that we have done on this podcast that has like 10 episodes. I've had a Mortal Kombat arcade machine goof. Some, of these, some people get so dirty with some of these. Incorrectly regarded as goofs. You guys want me to read that part? Is it good? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't even, this is a weird start to a sentence. Okay, so this is uh, IDB's incorrectly regarded as goofs. Ducati Sports Classic Sport 1000 headlight cannot be turned off. 
Sam turned it off when he was being chased by the police motorcycle, which is not possible if the first sentence is true. But Sam had to do some work of the bike after it had sat there for 20 years, so it is not inconceivable that he had made that modification while he was restoring the bike to running condition. That is incorrectly regarded as a goof. I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. So his motorcycle, when it's running, the light is always on? That's what they're saying? Yeah. That's a bad design of a motorcycle. Well, it's incorrectly regarded as a goof. Or is that how motorcycles work? Do all motorcycles always have their lights on all the time? No. But are you sure? You must be able to turn them on. I don't see blinding lights on a motorcycle in the daytime. Well, maybe their lights are so lame. because I don't think so. I think Because yeah. motorcycles like to live dangerously. I'll do a couple more since these are pre- uh, turning out to be pretty boring. Uh, let's see. The opening scene of the movie takes place in 1989. Kevin gives young Sam two action figures, and the figures have white LEDs in them. White LEDs were not invented until 1995, <laughs> and due to their very high cost per unit, did not see wide mainstream use until nearly a decade later. This is true. I've heard this when it comes to Christmas lights. This is interesting. I'm going to give this an interesting. Mm-hmm. Well and, done. And and that lines up with them wearing white suits instead of blue suits. The technology moved the on. The technology changed. made it, finally. God, this guy, that guy killed it. Yeah. That guy or girl. And uh, I'll just do one more. I don't even know if... I'm not reading these before. <laughs> We're choosing not to go out on top with John's goofs this week. Okay, right, let's go out on top. LEDs. That is actually really interesting. I did not know LEDs was a more recent innovation just the white ones white specifically ones. very cool but, i mean yeah sure yeah and i did mark this as interesting congratulations to that person i wish it post it had who uh who did this i should share this on facebook <laughs> <laughs> you have an option to yeah i could share it on facebook and twitter right now if i wanted to it's a perfect time everyone's getting ready to put up their christmas lights let's start talking about leds yeah people won't shut up about it right <laughs> some people <laughs> they're white leds all right, let's do our pick for next week. Okay. Is it your pick on? So, I really did want to try and pick a Christmas movie since we're getting into that time of the year, but I just couldn't find anything that really interested me or didn't seem like it would probably end up being a really shitty movie. Um, and so... Uh, I figured we should just talk about The Irishman, uh, since we're on the topic of de-aging technology. I'm sure oh, I'll sure. have oh, nice. yeah. plenty to say about it, since, uh, you know, I love me some Scorsese. Uh, so, yeah, it should be a, a lot to talk about, since it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie. But, you know, we got, uh, we got some days off oh, coming yeah. up. You lucked out, Colin. I say we set up a timer and make sure the podcast is at least that long. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's at least three and a half hours. Oh, yeah. we got to get do our research about de-aging technology. Yeah. It, it does seem like a good Thanksgiving movie because, uh, you know, I feel like Thanksgiving Day, you always have, like, a pretty big chunk of time where you're just doing nothing, either before the meal or after. At least that's the way it always is for me. Yeah, totally. You're like you're, you're tired. You're full of turkey. You can't, you don't want to do anything but sit on the couch. So you might as well sit on the couch and watch a ridiculously long movie. Do you think you can make it all the way through the Irishman without looking at your phone? Is that the test? Do you want to, John? Are we going to do that? Are we going to sit we, down, and watch the Irishman, and are, turn off are, our phones? Are we going to turn our phones off and watch the Irishman? I mean, you wouldn't look at your phone if you're watching the Irishman in a theater, right? So you maybe give it the respect it deserves. Okay. 
But does playing with the dogs count as looking at your phone during the movie? I mean, would you bring a dog to play with it at the theater? No. Then, yeah, you can't play with the dog. So it can sit on your lap because you don't have any control about that. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad we set up a little challenge for ourselves while watching. Yeah, I can't wait to tell you guys next week how I failed this challenge. <laughs> yeah. I'm more interested in when you failed the challenge, how long it took. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And uh, if you guys are thinking about Christmas movies for our December schedule, I have the closest pick to Christmas before Star Wars. I'm going to pick a Christmas movie. I'm locked into that. Oh, yeah. We must be at the point where these are our last picks before we go into holiday mode. We go into holiday mode, right. So, don't, so Sean, like, don't feel pressured to pick a Christmas movie because I'm definitely going to pick one. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Just so people know, there'll be at least one holiday episode. There'll be a Star Wars episode, and we're getting an Irishman episode. And Sean. So picks. really, I'm the only one with a question mark. Like, what holiday movie you'll pick is a question mark. And then I've got I've got my pick, which is wide open. Yeah. Anything, and then basically yeah. we have podcast topics locked in for two months. Basically. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be talking no about a lot of end of year stuff. A lot of stuff not necessarily related to movies, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, so yeah, uh, this has been the pick. You can check us out on iTunes by searching "mildly pleased" or go to our website "mildly pleased" and you can find other episodes of the pick. And we'll see you next time when we're talking about the Irishman. End of line, man. Yeah.